Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lizenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. Hello, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kristen Lizenby. And I'm Kate Ballou. So, welcome to season two, everyone. I really missed our weekly meetings. This is really exciting. Yes, the feeling is mutual. I am so looking forward to creating more word witchery with you, Kate, and also connecting with many more magical humans. I know we have several interviews lined up with some witches, authors, and creators this season that I am blissfully anticipating. Yes, we've been talking to some of our favorite magical beans and are lining up delicious witchy conversations for the fall, including a dear friend of mine, Maya Toll, in just a couple of weeks here, so stay tuned. Maya will be here to talk wild wisdom, and then we have a few others stopping by for our series on witchy business. That will start in a couple of weeks and will run through Yule. Yes, and I'm even going to talk a little bit about social media as a spell work practice as a part of that series, which I'm really excited about and I use in my business as a witchy content strategist. So yeah, definitely looking forward to all of that. But today we're going to talk a bit about Maybon and the Fall Equinox. Last year, we didn't speak about Maybon because the first episode came out around Samhain, so this is really extra exciting for us. Yes, we're coming full circle. Feels so right. Before we start, how are the Azores? How's Eric, Canela, Juniper, the whole homestead crew? <laughs> well, we're all experiencing a bit of harvest season burnout at the moment, mm. but we're hanging in there and making the best of it because I know once winter comes and I don't see blue sky for two weeks, I'll be begging for these hot, sunny afternoons. What about you? How is the city treating you these days? Brooklyn's great. I was on the road a bit between June and July uh, in Tulum doing some teaching, San Diego, seeing Cody's family, Alaska for some motorcycle riding, and then some time in Michigan to connect with my favorite woods and water. And it was all truly divine, but I missed Brooklyn, and Banjo and I are so happy to be back. Ready to talk Maybon in the fall equinox? Let's do it. northern hemisphere, Maybon falls on September 21st or 22nd, just a day or two after this September's full moon in Pisces. And for our friends in the southern hemisphere, Maybon takes place in March. Maybon is the second of three harvests, sitting midway between Lunaza and Samhain. Like Astara, the spring equinox, Maybon is a celebration of balance, when daytime hours are equal to those at night. But of course, like all things in nature, this harmony is fleeting, because after Maybon, the sun continues to wane and the moon takes back the sky. Well, there's not a ton of evidence of Maybon being called Maybon by the ancients, 
there is reference to the autumn equinox as a holy time, and it may have gone by some different names, depending on who you spoke to and in what context. Exactly. Mabon has roots in English and Celtic lore, but most civilizations celebrated the equinox in mid-harvest in one way or another. In our Lunaza episode, we spoke quite a bit about the first harvest and reaping what we sow, also solar gods like Lu. And those are still prominent themes for Mabon, especially since, right now, we might still feel like we're in the height of summer. For some of us, myself included, September is the hottest month of the year. But even though the heat is very much present, there are telltale signs that change is afoot. The seas are getting stronger, the gardens are getting crispier. What was once green now has an earthy, orange luster to it and plants are starting to litter the ground with seed. Mother Nature is already preparing for what lingers on the horizon. Here in Brooklyn, leaves are already changing, which does feel a little bit early for the city, but it is a subtle reminder that the wheel keeps turning, even when surrounded by skyscrapers. Yes, and Kate, I don't know about you, but before I started growing my own food, I always associated harvest season with sort of a laid-back, homey vibe that's reminiscent of modern day harvest festivals. Yeah, like sweaters mostly for me. (laughs) Exactly. I love sweater weather. But in the old world, harvest season had a sense of urgency to it, especially as the fall equinox approached. At Maybon, you were either becoming aware that your efforts over the spring and summer paid off, or you were starting to worry that your pantry might not be as full as you'd like. If it was the latter, you might have to sacrifice something today to make up for the shortage. Either way, harvest season was and is a busy time. Beyond just harvesting and pulling things off the vine, families were focused on preservation. If they weren't canning, they were pickling. If not, baking them boiling, sometimes freezing, other times salting, whatever methods were available at the time. From a city witch perspective, while we're mostly not canning and pickling here, I am making a lot of medicine, which is a lot of fun. I started my fire cider at Lunaza so I could strain and bottle it at the equinox to begin to prep my body for the winter. I think fire ciders are such a wonderful way to get in touch with that kitchen witch feeling for anyone who lives in an apartment like I do. Kristen, are you making anything specific right now? Well, I do love a good fire cider, but I'm actually doing a lot of tincturing right now. I'm sitting on an abundance of herbs, both fresh and dried. So I've been making St. John's wort tinctures, marshmallow root. Uh, What else? I think I also have go-to cola brewing. All the adaptogens, you know. Perfect for winter. But even if you're not growing your own food or making potions, the fall equinox can serve as a reminder just to be grateful for what is, because change is in the air. From how I see it, Maybon is sort of like a pagan Thanksgiving or day of thanks. It's a time to check in with your needs and the needs of those around you. This makes sense when we consider that pagan pride, an annual pagan festival with you know live music and workshops and other events, takes place around Maybon, with people also holding food drives and other events to support their communities and prepare for winter. I love that. And to me, there's also just something about all of this that feels so Virgo and Virgo season. Maybon gives such clues to that energy, I feel like. 
Virgo to me is about divine timing, moving through a to-do list with grace and being focused on the collective goal, you know? Absolutely. And I hadn't even thought about that, but it's such a good point. Virgo energy moves and it just gets stuff done. And in addition to the sense of urgency, preservation, and gratitude, when we talk about Maybon, there's also this oh-so-familiar theme of death, but also the promise of rebirth. We see this story everywhere in mythology. Like in the famous Celtic myth about the dying god and the mourning goddess or mother. The god sacrifices himself at mid-harvest for the good of the land and people. But he does this knowing that the goddess is pregnant and he'll be born again in spring. There's also the story of Persephone and Demeter. We have an entire episode in season one about these two women if you're interested. But for anyone who isn't familiar with this story... When Persephone descends into the underworld, her mother, Demeter, is inconsolable over that death. And so in turn, she creates more death in the form of winter. She only allows the earth to thaw and be reborn when Persephone returns in the spring. And building off Persephone and Demeter, I have to mention the Eleusinian mysteries, which these two women were in charge of. According to Greek myth, the mysteries took place once a year, sometime around the fall equinox and September's full moon. Although we know very little about what went on, we do know that it was an initiation, and when people left after the nine or ten days, they no longer feared death, which hints at the promise of rebirth in one form or another. In the book, Maybon, Rituals, Recipes, and Lore for the Autumn Equinox, which I'll add a link to in our show notes, It talks about a couple of other gods who were struck down as a representation of the harvest time death motif, followed by resurrection. One is Dionysus, the god of wine and vegetation. According to legend, Dionysus nearly died when his mother, still pregnant with him, was killed. His father, Zeus, intervened and saved him, but then a jealous Hera ripped him to pieces. So Zeus resurrected Dionysus again, this time with a little help from goddess Rhea. The book also mentions Adonis, a mortal who was one of Aphrodite's lovers. Depending on what version you prefer, Adonis was killed by a wild boar that was either sent by Artemis out of revenge or Ares because he was jealous. From Adonis's blood, anemone flowers grew. Supposedly, Adonis and Aphrodite's love story is also a representation of the mourning goddess and dying god that we see so often at harvest time. The gods and goddesses are just so vicious in all of these stories. (laughs) (laughs) Wildly cruel. (laughs) Kate, do any stories come to mind for you? Yeah, you know, in my reading for today, I found found that Mabon is actually named after a Welsh god. He goes by the name Mabon at Modron and is prominently featured in these legends of King Arthur. So there's a few different takes on the story, as with most things. And in some tales, it's believed that both he and his mother were deities or that his mother, Modron, is related to the Arthurian witch Morgan Le Fay. His name is related also to the Romano-British god named Maponos, meaning the great son. So in some stories, Mabon is stolen away from his mother 
which then her story also shares some of these elements with the witch Rhiannon. It's so wild how these stories create more stories and on and on through history, right? But what I found that this version is actually told mostly around northern England, so especially in the area around Hadrian's Wall. I was reading about this as well and was surprised I'd never really heard this story before, so I'm happy you brought it up. Yeah, it was new to me too. And I, I kind of felt like it just had so many different like spider webs and connections to it. Mm-hmm, definitely. But speaking of Morgan Le Fay, did you happen to watch The Green Knight yet? No, I'm so out of the loop with anything current. Um, I grew up listening to stories about King Arthur and just like devouring tales about Avalon. And so it was really stunning to see some of these characters brought to life like this and Definitely fell in love with this red fox guide that appears to help Sir Garwin on his quest. Yes, fox energy is my favorite. Yeah, same. There's also, you know, during Mabon, like, whisperings of the green man. And he was also kind of conjured up in the Green Knight story as well. Like, some believe that Sir Garwin's green knight is a medieval manifestation of the green man himself. But in Celtic tradition, the god of fertility, Sir Nunos, went into the underworld at Mabon and then would return during Ostara or Beltane as the green man. Mabon also reminds me of vines as it's associated with the vine moon from September 2nd to September 30th on the Celtic tree calendar. We've spoken a little bit about this myth before, but Basically, the Celtic tree calendar is divided by the 13 moon cycles of the year. The modern tree calendar is based conceptually off the letters of the Celtic Agam alphabet as they correspond to the trees, and there is very little evidence of the Celtic tree calendar being created by the early Celts. However, you know, it's kind of a point of contention among scholars. But these symbols and themes tie in with Celtic culture and mythology and are therefore symbolically beautiful ways to honor the different Sabbaths. But the Vine Month, associated with Mabon, and so this is no surprise, is symbolic of the Great Harvest. When we think of the vine, we think of grapes growing and then becoming celebratory wine. This is also relevant to the story about Dionysus you shared earlier, kind of as the god of wine. In magic, the vine is a symbol of both happiness and wrath, which are both emotions driven by passion. So in my own practice, a symbol like this encourages me to love a bit on all depth of emotions and to become friends with even what I may deem as unpleasant, like an emotion that's as dark as wrath. But this is kind of like the reality, right? And I think we spoke about this in the mother episode, but the dark mother archetype is very real and present for me during this time. Beautifully said. I think that dark goddess archetype sort of ties into both the agricultural world and the spiritual world right now. Because when the equinox arrives, you know, the carefree days of summer are on their way out and we might have to face some hard decisions. Like, what will we harvest? What will we let wither beneath the sun, either to feed and replenish the soil or produce seeds? And also, what are you feeding the soil? Harvest season isn't all about how much we can take. What are we giving back? Also, what investments paid off and therefore will be repeated in future seasons? Which ones did not? 
What can we do today to make sure our needs are met in the present and also moving forward? And you've probably heard me ask this question before because I feel like it's relevant at any time, but what seeds are we planting right now? even though we know we won't see any visible progress for at least six months or more. And of course, don't forget, we still have one more harvest left, our beloved Samhain. So even though we're still in the realm of light, it won't be for much longer. How will we spend our precious time? love all of these questions. I'm like going to write them down later and use them in my own journaling. Thanks, Kristen. But yeah, it reminds me of the corn husk doll ritual that you wrote for August Tamed Wild Box. Corn husk dolls are an ancient and magical tradition. Making these dolls symbolizes the cycles of the year. So to honor the energy of harvest season, you can call on the corn husk doll. Grain or corn is sacrificed to be made into the doll, changed, and then created into something new, and then symbolically named depending on your intention for the season. So these dolls can be placed on harvest altars or ritually burned to symbolize the changing and the transformation of this season. I think for next week's episode, when we share some small spells, I might share one with a corn husk doll or something similar. We'll see. Can't wait. Before we sign off, I found this Annie Finch poem. It's called Maybon Crown. Can I share it with you? Yes, please. So it's called A Maybon Crown by Word Witch Annie Finch. Our voices press from us and twine around the years fermenting wine. Yellow fall roars over the ground, loud in the leafy sun that pours liquid through doors yellow the leaves twist down as the winding of the vine pulls our curling voices glowing in wind and change the orange leaf tells how one more season will alter and range working the strange colors of clamor and bells in the winding of the vine our voices press out from us to twine. When autumn gathers, the tree with the leaves sang, reddens dark slowly, then suddenly free, turns like a key, opening air where they hang. And the winding of the vine makes our voices turn and wind with the year's fermented wine. One of the hanging leaves, deeply maroon, tightens its final hold, receives, finally weaves, through and is covered soon. In the winding of the vine, holding past summer's hold, open and strong, one of the leaves in the crown is gold, set in the cold, where the old seasons belong. Here is my crown of winding vine, of leaves that dropped, that fingers twined, another crown to yield and shine with a year's fermented wine. Beautiful and bravo. Happy Maybon, everyone. Happy Maybon. Thank you so much for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kate Ballou and Kristen Lizenby. You can find us online at Kate8Ballou and at East and Alchemy. 
Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at tamedwild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com. Tune into next week's episode where Kate and I share some small spells and rituals. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be for something better. Until next time.